Well, good morning. Good to see, good to see you. And uh, uh, Colby and Scott already stole my jokes, so I had nothing this morning. So they both stole my. I mean, actually, that was a good one. I didn't have that one. But anyhow, um, but uh, you know, this is th- this this weekend. Last year, uh, we were all gathered to worship, and we had Emerson Wiles here to preach a, a message as we were gearing up for our 100th anniversary. Preached a good message. I came home, and and then. My kids didn't go back to school on Monday, <laughs> and we were, of course, in lockdown for eight weeks, so it is, uh, at least at our church, so, I, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a bittersweet uh, weekend uh, to think about that as we were leading into, well, we didn't know what we were going into at the time, and a year later, here we are, and I appreciate you being here, um, and we should be thankful that we're here today, and we're thankful we live in a state that, for the most part, has tr- trusted us to worship responsibly, and you, know, you have. And so I appreciate you for doing that. And since we came back on May 15th, we'd only had, had to miss two Sundays because of uh, a virus threat. So I just appreciate y'all being responsible and being here. And we have Easter in three weeks, and, and uh, I think we're coming out of it. And so I know many of you uh, have vaccines and things like this, and so I know you're more comfortable being here. So we're glad you're here. We're glad that you are here also if you're watching online. Because uh, it is like a 730 service, so you still have to get up and watch online. Whereas many people might be, they might be attending Bedside Baptist today, and so we're glad you are here. There's a joke. Okay, I got one. There we go. Anyway, well, my birthday is coming up in a few weeks, and my family and my children have been asking me uh, what I wanted for my birthday, and that got me thinking about different birthday gifts I've received over the years. You know, some gifts have been nice, like uh, maybe a new suit or some new clothes, things like that, or some have been relaxing trips. In fact, uh, next weekend... My wife and I are going to the beach for my birthday because last year's birthday party for me, it was in the eight weeks we were shut down, you know, couldn't go anywhere or do anything. Um, and, and last year's birthday was just me hanging out with a friend, a couple friends, uh, secretly, anyway. Uh, that's what we were doing. And so but take a little trip. And, and then sometimes birthday gifts have just been simple uh, where you just are hanging out with friends from time to time. But all gifts have some benefit, but they all have different uses. And as Christians, we have a great gift that's been given to us called the Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit of Christ living in us. And He convicts us of sin, and He leads us into righteous living. And He is an amazing gift that God has given us, and He helps us live the way God wants us to live. Galatians chapter 5 today is where we are, starting in verse 16. Paul says this, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Heavenly Father, as we continue to worship here today, we come across this passage that many of us are familiar with, but maybe we forgot was in this part of Galatians as we've been working through it. And so we pray that as we look at this passage, if it's familiar with us, we will see it new. If it's new to us, we will see it for what it is. And you have called us to live by the Spirit, and we thank you that you give us the grace to do so. And that your grace is always going out ahead of us, many times protecting us from things we don't even realize, Lord. And so we thank you. Father, as we seek to be good fruit bearers, we realize that in our gardens there are weeds. And you're in the business of pulling those up. And so we thank you that you continue to do that, and that is by your grace also. So, Father, I pray that you would show us what you want us to see today, and that you give me the words to speak, Lord, and fill me with your spirit today as we preach and worship. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you today three benefits, three benefits that this gift of the Holy Spirit gives us. Three benefits. Number one, walking by the Spirit helps us avoid sin, helps us avoid sin. Have you ever been walking through a supermarket before or, or in the mall and you, and you see someone you know that you don't want to talk to and you avoid them? Have you ever done that before? I've never had to do that, but some of you may have. You say, well, you have this, well I, I was going to go over here to the other aisle. I'll go down that way, right? Maybe you've had a similar situation like that. You're, you're walking and something helps you avoid something or someone you don't want to maybe get to. Well, that's what walking by the Spirit does. It helps us avoid sin. Not that people in your life are sin, but it's an illustration. Helps us avoid things that maybe we know we shouldn't want to get involved with. Look what he says in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This idea of walking by the Spirit, or some translations say keeping in step with the Spirit, has the idea of, of falling in line and following. This is much like the, when you're marching or falling in line as a soldier. So when we fall in line with the Spirit and we stay in line with Him, we're less likely to gratify. And this word means to execute. We're, we're less likely to gratify or execute or perform the sinful desires that we all have that will be with us until we die. So Paul then goes into explain these desires. He says, verse 17, For the desires of the flesh, that's, that's, that's your natural desire, these are against the Holy Spirit's desires, against what God wants you to do. So you have this, this tug of war inside you. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So falling in line with the Spirit helps us avoid sin. Again, sins are things that are against the moral code of God. They're an affront to His character. They are the opposite of who He is, yet we still have a desire to do them from time to time. And we all do things in life that we know are wrong, but we still do them anyway. This is why we need 
to stay in step with the Spirit. I see this almost every day with my two-year-old John David. He knows that if there's an open drink that he wants to come over. See, he's already past like the baby stage, I guess since he's the fourth. He doesn't want to drink juice cups. He wants to drink real adult drinks out of an adult you know, uh, bottles or cups. He, I, I'm on decaf coffee a lot of times. He, he, he enjoys, try, likes to drink my decaf coffee. As a two-year-old, I'm like, you can't have this, but it is decaf. So he'll take it and he'll say, coffee, daddy, coffee. And I'll give him a little sip. And he'll sip it and go, mmm, good. And he only wants to drink the adult drinks. In, in COVID, you know, you don't want to be drinking out of different, you know, after people just in general, but he'll find them, he'll drink them. So a lot of times I'll, when he wants my drink, I'll just tilt it back and finish the whole thing and leave a little bit left for him so I don't have to drink after him. You know, that's what I'll do. Because you don't want to drink after a two-year-old, trust me. But sometimes he'll take this bottle and he'll drink a little bit of it and he'll hold it and he'll just go and just pour it right out. And he knows he's not supposed to do that. And just this week, there was a day where we did it twice an hour and just this day I just got a text from my, from my wife pray for me she just wrote this that John David just poured out a drink on the water she's trying to get to church with the children here John David just did it again right I can't be there to help because I'm here but he, he just can't help himself now we discipline him he knows what happens I tell him it's bad I'm, I have him go apologize to mom or whoever's drink it was and sometimes he won't apologize sometimes he will because he doesn't want to sometimes. But he's literally gratifying the desires of his flesh. He's, he's thinking, man, it would be so great if I just take that bottle and he just pour it out. Just wants to do it. He knows it's wrong. We're past the stage of he doesn't know it's wrong. Oh, he knows. But he does it anyway. You have things like that in your life? But we, just, we know I shouldn't say that. We know I shouldn't do that. I know I shouldn't text that. But we do it anyway. It's something about gratifying those sinful desires on some level makes us feel good, even though it's not. This is what he's saying. He said, keep in step with the Spirit so you don't do those things. Verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, this is going back to the main point of the letter to the Galatians. One of the reasons we sin is because we try to keep the law. What do I mean by that? Well, Paul explained to the Colossians that being moral is of no value in helping avoid the sinful urges of the flesh. You can be a rule follower and a legalist and a moralist, but it will not help you be enticed to sin. In fact, it might make it even worse. That's what he tells the Colossians. So Paul is saying if we constantly focus on don't do this, do that, and it's hard with a two-year-old, for instance, because he now knows we're not supposed to do it, and so we're making it even harder for him to want to do it, right? But he's saying if we constantly focus on don't do this, do this, then we will struggle in not sinning. So instead of looking at it that way, we need to look at it a different way where we need just to, to ask ourselves to be led by the Spirit, we have God's law, which tells us what's right and wrong. We also have the Holy Spirit, which puts the brakes on us many times, keeps us from sinning. So he said, instead of just trying to figure out, well, i got to always do this or I can't always do that, orient your heart toward, Lord, what can I do to, to, to stay in step with you? Because I know if I'm in step with you, you will not lead me to sin. And we'll get to what that looks like in a minute. 
But just so there's no confusion, Paul explains then what the desires of the flesh are. He gives this in verse 19 and on. He says this. Now the works of the flesh are evident. He says they're visible. And he gives three related to just a lifestyle promiscuity, sexual morality, impurity, sensuality. The flesh desires these things, but in Christ these, di- these desires should be tempered. So he talks about that. This is how the Galatians were living. And the second category he mentions pertains to worship. He says this, idolatry and sorcery. Well, idolatry is simply the truth of people worshiping the gods of their own making, whether it be their hands or their minds. The video we watched about the missionary there in Vancouver, amazing that there's 300,000 Indians in Vancouver. They all have their gods they've held on to. Many of them, they have been made with their own hands. But in America, we don't really see that a lot, but we have people who make gods with their own minds. And that's idolatry. And the flesh wants us to to worship someone, something, lift them up higher than God. And then sorcery. It's the practice of of magic arts. Now, you don't hear a lot about witchcraft, okay? Especially in the church, you don't hear a lot about these kind of things, but they're evident, they're out there. And the sorcery, the purpose of sorcery was to give fuel to your false worship, to give fuel to the idolatry. And then the third and final category Paul introduces here is sin related to social relationships. And there's more of these he lists than any other. And partly because as we are saved in Christ Jesus, we are not saved to ourselves. We're not an island to ourselves. You know, I don't go to Charlie Wallace Baptist Church just by myself every week. It's not what I do. But a first Baptist church, which is filled of all you and me and other people. So we're saved into a community. We're not saved to ourselves. And so when you have a bunch of sinners like we are, and you put us all into a big community with different backgrounds and different personalities and different thoughts and ways of living, there's going to be dissensions from time to time. I mean, I have a family of six, and I can tell when it's going to be a tough dinner. <laughs> Last night, or yesterday, we went to get some lunch, and the night before, they were great, and we got in the car, and I told my wife, I said, this is going to be a rough dinner, I can, lunch, I can already tell. I said, all four of them, none, none of them are in a good place right now. They're fighting and fussing, and it was not a great lunch. But then we went out and got some ice cream later in the evening, and they were all great. We had a great time. I mean, they were wanting to strangle each other at lunch, and 5.30, we'd want to go get some yogurt, and maybe it was a sugar. I don't know. We, they were just laughing like they were the best of friends. Families will go through that sometimes. Church families are no different. You're going to have some relationship issues. You're, we're all people. And he says, make sure that you don't gratify the desires of the flesh in those relationships. And he names them. He says this. There's enmity, strife. Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. Well, what's, what's enmity? Enmity is this idea of just quarreling, just a quarreling nature, just always fighting, always quarreling. He says that's, that's the desire of the flesh. If you have a church that's always quarreling and fighting, then you can believe that's not the Holy Spirit. That's the desires of the flesh. That's people who are not walking in the spirit if there's constant quarreling. Then rivalries has this idea of a selfish ambition. 
or you have a rivalry with someone because you want to be better than them in some way, on some level, on something. It's a, it's a desire of the flesh. Dissensions has this literal idea of standing apart. There's a dissension, and there's one over here, and there's one over here, and they're about to go at it. It's like a versus, like a, like a game, so to speak. You versus them, they versus you, them versus them. Dissensions. All these activities, all these emotional attitudes are against the moral law of God. Fits of anger. We all get angry. In fact, the Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. But uncontrolled anger, you never know when it's going to pop up. I had, a, I had a boss like that one time. You might have had one. He was great. He was the best boss, unless he was angry. He was angry, man. You just got out of the way. You just left. You didn't know who was going to be in the line of fire next. Right? That's, that's the flesh. That's not the spirit. Dissensions, divisions envy and then drunkenness and orgies orgies were these wild kind of drinking parties they had all these things are things he says i warn you and as i warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of god now this doesn't mean that if you get drunk tomorrow or you find yourself in a dissension today or you have a fit of anger next week that you'll never inherit the kingdom of god that's not what that means we will all still sin until Christ comes back. What this does mean, however, is that those whose lives are consistently characterized by these attributes do not know Jesus. If you're an angry person, that's how you're described. It's not a good place to be. This is what he's saying. Those who haven't been saved by Jesus won't inherit his kingdom. So it's merely a warning. That's what he says. I am warning you. He's not judging them. He's not telling them they're all lost. He's just saying, hey, I just warn you, remember, if this is the lifestyle, this is not the lifestyle of believers. The Holy Spirit is not working in your life. It's a, it's a warning to realize that when you gratify your desires, you get a, a retaste, so to speak, of your former life before Christ. Have you ever tried to diet before? You ever tried to diet? Maybe me, I'm the only one that's tried. You know, I got some new scales, and I'm fatter than I thought I was. Did you know that? <laughs> These scales weren't working. I'd get on them. They'd say one thing, then they'd say nothing, something that was way too high. Then they'd say something that was way too low. John David broke him. He's been throwing them across the you know, room. Expensive scales. So I finally said to my wife, I said, just get some scales that work. Just get the old-fashioned. I don't care. Just get something that works. I need to know how much I weigh. Came in the Amazon, of course, came in the mail yesterday, and I got on them, and I said, well, I guess I'm fatter than I thought. I guess the scales are right. I don't know. So when you try to diet, you, know, you try to cut some things off, right, some food off that you don't, and then maybe you don't have it for a few weeks, you know, maybe you haven't had chocolate in a few weeks, and then you walk in your kitchen, and there's a Kit Kat just sitting there, and you're like, oh, I don't have any desire for that anymore, but maybe you're hungry, and you're like, you know what? I need something to eat. I don't really like it. I'll eat it anyway. So you pick it up, and you take a bite of it, and you just go, whoa, what? Wow. Man, I missed that. That's how it is when we sin sometimes. Maybe we've helped our lives in an area, and then we, we, got, we dabble in it, and it kind of feels good, and then we're like, oh, why did I do that? Why did I do that? Why did I say that? 
Why did I go there? We get a retaste of our former life. So he said, don't do it. Now that you are in Christ, just keep in step with the Spirit. Try not to fall back in those patterns. So walking in the Spirit helps us avoid sin. Secondly, walking by the Spirit helps us kill sin. There's a difference between avoiding and killing. Avoiding is like, get me out of here. Mortifying, killing is, no, we're going to put this, we're going to take care of this. He describes what it looks like to keep in line with the Spirit. He says this, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is an appropriate metaphor for the Christian life. It is. Morality cannot produce these things. Being good cannot produce the fruit of the Spirit because they're not the fruit of morality. They're not the fruit of legalism. They're the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit is living. Fruit is growing. It's organic, literally organic. It's internal. And we are to bear these fruits. And if we have the Holy Spirit in our lives, our gardens will be producing these fruits. Now, as I mentioned in my prayer, we have gardens with fruit, but we also have weeds in our garden. And it's not like just going out and and picking up weed be gone and spraying them and they leave. They're going to keep coming up. So we need to understand that. And as we walk with Christ, hopefully there's more fruit and less weeds. Amen? We don't need a garden overrun with the weeds or we got some problems. And we need the Lord's help. Love, he says, is the first fruit of the Spirit. Love, as you know, is an action. It's something we do. It is a feeling on some levels. I feel love when I see people I love. But it's an action. Putting people first is love. Joy. Joy is impervious to circumstance. It's impervious to circumstance. It's not just happiness. It's no matter what is going on, I still have this joy. I am content. I'm happy to live. I have joy. And we've had our joy tested this past year in many ways. So we've had an incredible circumstance that none of us have ever gone through before. Joy is impervious to it. Peace. We sang a little bit about this today. Peace is a contentment with life. No matter how difficult your life might be, and you know how life is. It ebbs and flows. There's peaks and valleys. Sometimes life's easy, and you're wondering, man, this is great. I better not think about it too much. And some times life gets difficult. But in the difficulties, you still have contentment. You still have perspective of everything in your life. And you have peace. Patience. The word for patience is literally long-tempered. Long-tempered. Now, you've heard of short-tempered people, but I never heard anybody be described as long-tempered before, have you? (laughs) A long fuse instead of a short fuse. Long-tempered. That's what patience is. Now, I know some long-tempered people, and they're they're just patient and patient and patient. And God wants to give us this patience. Kindness. Kindness is just simply the opposite of being mean. That's all it is. You know, it's easy to be mean sometimes. But the fruit of the Spirit allows us to be kind. Goodness is the idea of being generous. 
That's what a good person is. They're, they're generous with their time, with their life, with their, with their finances, with their money. They're just generous people. Faithfulness has the idea of being trustworthy. Trustworthy. I always heard if you have two friends, two or three friends that you can trust in a pickle, you got, you got good friends. Not many people might have more than two or three of those. But wouldn't it be great if when someone listed their trustworthy friends, or you made the list, not because of what you did, because you have the Holy Spirit working through you. And they know they can count on you. And then self-control. This describes this, the inner strength that God gives us. We can take hold of ourselves. We can refuse to be swept along by those desires or those impulses. Like little Johnny one day will have self-control. One day he'll, he'll come up, to, he'll see that, that bottle and he'll just say, no, I got Jesus in me. <laughs> I'm not going to turn that upside down. Maybe he'll, he'll exhibit self-control one day. Pray for us that he will, that day will be soon. It's essential for freedom. And it says against these things there is no law. Society needs to be protected from many things. Amen? It's great to be protected from many things, but it does not need to be protected from these things. Society does not need to be protected from love. It needs more love. Our culture does not need to be protected from peace. It needs more peace. All these things. There's no law against being patient. There's no law against being kind. There's no law against being good and generous or being trustworthy or having self-control. We're not arresting people for having self-control. We're arresting people for lacking the self-control. There's no law against these things, and because there's no law, we know that they can't harm. You're not going to harm somebody by loving them. You're not going to harm somebody by being kind to them. You can't harm others by doing these things. He says there is no law in verse 24, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is what I mean by kill sin. The sinful passions and desires are the things, these are the things by which society needs protection from. But why there are laws for things. But we are to kill those things in our lives that will then bring harm to people. We are to harm those things in our lives that will bring harm to people. Finally, number three, walking by the Spirit helps us remain humble. Walking by the Spirit helps us remain humble. Verse 25 if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. If we allow the Spirit, if we follow the Spirit to live the Christian life, it's far easier to stay in line with the Spirit. When we don't, we risk, the Bible says, becoming conceited. And when we become conceited, we actually become envious of others because we start thinking about ourselves. Well, I don't have that. I need that. And the cycle continues. The prideful person then doesn't feel the need to fall in line with the Spirit because they're not thinking of the things of the Spirit. They're thinking of the things of the flesh. So they become prideful, and it's this cycle. 
And falling in line, however, helps us remain humble, which helps us bear spiritual fruit. There's a story that I've seen gone around, gone, gone around on, on social media and things like this, and it's been attributed to different famous people, which isn't true. And I looked it up and I did some fact-checking. This story actually came from one of the Chicken Soup for the Soul books by a motivational speaker, a guy who wrote it. Uh, sometimes we have to be careful what we see online, but usually there's some truth behind it, but a lot of times they'll change the name of the person because if you know the person that told the story, it means more to you. Uh, but it's, some, it's a kind of a nameless guy that's a motivational speaker, and, and uh, he, he tells a story. I'm going to read it to you how he wrote it. He says this. Once when I was a teenager, my father and I were standing in line to buy tickets for the circus, and there was only one other family between us and the ticket counter, and there were eight children all probably under the age of 12. And the way they were dressed, you could tell they didn't have a lot of money, but their clothes were neat and clean. And the children were well-behaved, and all of them standing in line, two by two behind their parents, holding hands. And they were excitedly jabbering about the clowns and the animals and all the acts that they were going to be seeing that night. And by their excitement, you could sense that they had never been to the circus before. I know what that's like the first time I've taken my children to things they've never been to before. They're so excited about it. And it would be a highlight of their lives. And the father and the mother were at the head of the pack, standing proud as could be. And the mother was holding her husband's hand, looking up to him as if to say, you're my knight in shining armor. And he was smiling and enjoying seeing his family happy. And the ticket lady asked the man how many tickets he wanted. And he said, I'd like to buy eight children's tickets and two adult tickets so I can take my family to the circus. He was so proud about it. And the lady told him the price. When he heard the price, the man let go of his wife's hand. Her head dropped, and the man's lip began to quiver. And he leaned a little closer, and he said, how much did you say? And she told him the price, and the man didn't have enough money. And how was he supposed to turn and tell his eight children that he didn't have enough money to take him to the circus. Seeing what was going on, my dad reached into his pocket. He pulled out a $20 bill and, and dropped it on the ground. And they were not wealthy in any sense of the word. My father bent down, picked up the $20, and tapped the man on the shoulder and said, Sir, I think this fell out of your pocket. And gave him the $20. And the man grabbed it, understood what was going on, looked straight into my dad's eyes, took my dad's hand in both of his and squeezed tightly onto the $20 bill. And he said, thank you, thank you, sir. This really means a lot to me and my family. My father and I went back to our car and drove home. And the $20 that my dad gave away is what we were going to buy our own tickets with. And although we didn't get to see the circus that night, we both felt a joy inside us that was far greater than seeing the circus could ever provide. That day I learned the value to give. See, as we grow in Christ Jesus, as the Holy Spirit works in our lives, we become givers, not takers. Takers yield to the desires of the flesh. Givers yield to the desires of the Holy Spirit. And we get joy in being givers. This short story encapsulates what it means to live 
in the fruit of the Spirit. Loving Jesus, loving others. Who do you know today that needs Jesus Christ? Who can you pray for today that needs Jesus? Who can you be a Spirit-filled person in your interactions with today as you leave here? Heavenly Father, as we close our time together today, those that you put in our path today, let us be thinking about how we can serve them in practical ways. Father, what if that family in that circus line were thinking about getting in and all they could think about was the big family in front of them holding up the line? That could have been any of us concerned, frustrated at what's taking so long, not understanding other people's issues, not caring about other people's issues. Father, as we are called to live in the Spirit, we're called many times to put ourselves in other people's shoes to see how we can be a blessing to them as you have been a blessing to us. Lord, as we leave here today, I pray that you would show us each in our lives how we can keep in line with the Spirit today. And that could be our focus. Not so much what we shouldn't be doing or what we should be doing, but getting in line behind you as to what you are already doing and how you are working in our lives. Lord, we love you and we thank you for Jesus. And we thank you that through his death and burial and resurrection, that he has purchased eternal life for all those who would believe in him. And if there is one in here today that does not know you, that they would yield to your spirit today and they would be saved. Father, we love you and we ask these things in your name. And we thank you that you give us the Holy Spirit to allow us to follow. And in Jesus' name, amen.